Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? All right. We're doing all right. Everyone seems a little bit friendly. We're warming up. Um, If you uh, are here and you don't have a Bible, we have a few extra up here. Um, And if you don't own a Bible, you can have that. It's our gift to you. Um, If we haven't met yet, I'm Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad you're here with us today. And I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. Merry Christmas. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty fun. The um, last week we talked about, um, we've been talking about Christmas. And this week is coming up is Christmas. It's a big week for a lot of people. For some people it's a really hard week. A lot of different memories of families, maybe not be so good. And um, last week we talked about what Christmas came to destroy. And uh, if you don't normally associate Christmas with vast destruction and the devil, you should go listen to that sermon. And uh, it's, it was actually really hopeful. So hopefully um, you would hear the message of hope within that. But today and this week, I want to focus on what Christmas came to reveal. What Christmas came to reveal. Because so often it's easy to let um, this Christmas season, this month of December, um, kind of come and go without really truly engaging um, the meaning and the implications of this story that we talk about, that the Son of God um, came to seek and to save the lost. That, that um, like the worship team was singing, that love came down um, to rescue us and to set us free. I actually was, I was just worshiping this morning. I was like, man, the worship team today is thunder stealers, man. I don't even need to preach. Like, they just like preached the whole Christmas story with those songs. It was just beautiful. But so often we can go through this month and just not engage with that. We're so, we've got the busyness, we've got um, the work parties, the parties with friends, we've got the required amount of gifts that we have to buy uh, for our, either our kids or our nieces and nephews. And um, we've got the, you know, songs that go on and on about bells like we talked about last week or reindeer or figgy pudding it's like figgy pudding bring us some figgy pudding right some i I just i guess i just have a rant against christmas songs i don't know but we can just go all through that and it comes and goes and we missed the beauty and the awe the awe-inspiring truths of this story and when that happens we have this incredible story that has been told an incredible truths right in front of us. But we, we just miss it. We miss out on the real wonder and joy. We're busy singing about wonder and joy and trying to experience it in lights and all other kinds of things. But we miss out on the wonder and joy that, that we really can have because of this story and the wonder and joy that we really can share with other people. Um, so my wife, Hannah, needs glasses. It was a, kind of a hard transition there. But um, <laughs> she needs glasses. And if you saw her today, she's not wearing glasses, but she does have glasses. And um, we're going to Arkansas this week, and we're, she's going to get some glasses because my brother's an optometrist, and I have a pretty good discount with him, right? But she didn't always know she needed glasses, um, and when she told me about the story of how she came to find out that she needed glasses, it was fascinating to me. 
So um, Hannah was interning in Europe, and uh, she had a few free days, and they went to uh, the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Anyone ever heard of that, Amalfi Coast? It's just this beautiful, just insanely beautiful coast, and it's kind of like these cliffs and buildings all up on the cliffs that go down right to where the waterfront is, and ancient buildings, all kinds of different colors and lights and um, if you don't know what I'm talking about still, you've probably seen it on like a screensaver and been like, whoa, I want to go there. But you didn't know where it was. That's the Amalfi Coast. And um, so she was there and she was having fun, enjoying it. And one of her friends had glasses on and they were just hanging out. And she's like, oh, I want to see what your glasses look like on me. I want to see what I look like in glasses. So she puts the glasses on and turns around and looks at the coast. And all of a sudden, all that kind of comes into focus and comes into view and she can see that it's not just like this blob and blur of colors, but it's these beautiful buildings and the water and the waves and the lights and everything. She could actually see it. And it was so beautiful that she cried because of, the, I heard an awe. <laughs> but just the beauty of it was so amazing that, that, she, that it was just overwhelming, this sense of this is so beautiful. And what I find interesting about that story and why I would tell that right now (laughs) is that she was there in Amalfi Coast. She was there enjoying it herself, having a good time, but she was missing the beauty that was right there in front of her the entire time. So, And if she wouldn't have put those glasses on, she still would have been there. She still would have enjoyed Amalfi, but she wouldn't have really enjoyed Amalfi because she wouldn't have really seen it for what it is. And she wouldn't have come home and said, I need glasses because I need to see this everywhere. Like, I need to be able to see the movie screen and when I drive at night, right? In the same way, we can be that way around Christmassy things so much that Christmas is not just familiar, it's domesticated. It's just, it doesn't even affect our hearts. But when we look at Jesus with fresh eyes and what I hope that we can do today just for the next few minutes is that we'll, we'll see the beauty of God in this story. We'll see his love for us. And when we see his love for us in, fresh, in, in, in a fresh way, if we allow ourselves to go there this morning, that we would be overwhelmed by God's grace for us to the point that we would be willing and just wanting to see everything in our lives through that lens and to share that joy with others. Does that make sense? So with that said, I want to focus today. See what I did there? Focus. Focus on two things. Focus that Jesus came to reveal God's heart. Jesus came to reveal God's heart and what God's heartbeat is. That's what I want to focus on today and, and hopefully tie that into to our experience this morning. So first of all, Jesus came to reveal God's heart. Jesus came to reveal God. The Gospel of John that we read from today does not contain a traditional Christmas story. It does not talk about where Jesus was born. It doesn't tell you the story of how he grew up. It doesn't give you the background. Instead of that, um, the writer of this book weaves throughout the book the, the reasons and the purpose for the Christmas story. And you see even Jesus saying things like, the reason I came to this world was to testify to the truth in John 18. But 
John begins with how the, the few verses that we read today. It says this phrase, in the beginning was the word, and the word is a capital W, the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He, so it's a person, the word is a person, was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In verse 14, it's still talking about the word and says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. And then it goes on and says, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with God, has made him known. The message version says it this way, is made him plain as day. No one's ever seen God, but this word made flesh, which is Jesus, has made God plain as day to us. Jesus didn't have to come into the world. There was nothing compelling him to. We didn't invite him. Did you? I, I didn't. But the God of the universe, from the beginning of time, the God of the universe wants us to know him. Wants to reveal himself to us in such a way, it's not just randomly, it's not just like, I want you guys to know who I am. It's because he created us and he loves us and he knows that what's best for us is to know him and to love him. The world is in darkness. And yet when Jesus comes, in John 1 it says that he's the light. That the light came into the darkness. Jesus came to bring light. So before we go any further, can we just like stop and just a little, pause a little bit in that truth, in the beauty? How amazing is it that God, who is so far beyond our understanding, would desire enough to reveal himself that he would come to us? That he would love us enough and, and want us to know him enough and know his love enough that he would reveal himself in this new and unique and special way that's never been done before or since. Isn't that beautiful? So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Because the way you answer that question and the way humans have answered that question has determined the course of history since before Jesus was born. Who is he? If that's the lines in the sand between the major world religions today are drawn over who is Jesus. Is he a prophet? Is he a good teacher? Is he a wise man? Is he an inspirational figure? Yes. Yes. Yes to all of that, but even more, according to this passage, even more according to the Bible. In the Old Testament, God dwelled among his people in a tabernacle that was a tent in the middle of the people of Israel. And Moses interacted with the glory of God. 
in a tent called the Tent of Meeting. And he would interact with God. And when he left, the glory of God changed him so much that his face glowed and he had to wear a veil. You can read about it in Exodus 33 and 34. Moses asked to see God's glory, but God said, no one can see me and live. Why? Because God is holy and humans are sinners. We have rebelled against God and sin can't remain in God's presence. So in the Old Testament, people were afraid to see God. And 1 Timothy 6 says, God lives in unapproachable light. But now, as we look at this passage, who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is God the son who existed before he was born. Jesus is the one who John the Baptist says, even though he's younger than me, he's more respected than me because he was before me. He existed before me. It says that the word of God became flesh and dwelled among us. Did you know that the word for dwell there is the same word for tabernacle and tent? That they're saying, look at what Jesus has done. Just like in the Old Testament, God dwelled in a tabernacle in the middle of the camp of Israel. Now, the word of God, who was there in the beginning when God said, let there be, and there was. You guys see that? That's the word of God that created. And this passage says, nothing was created except through him. The same word of God has become flesh and tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory. The same glory that Moses couldn't fully see. We are beholding the glory of God, the word of God, God the Son who has existed in eternity past. We are seeing him. He's flesh and blood. We've seen that glory, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God, but God the Son has made him known. The God who is all-powerful, pure and holy, and lives in unapproachable light, has made himself approachable by becoming a baby in a manger because there was no room in the inn. He was sent uninvited into the world to save the world. Sent as a light to a dark world. Jesus is God in the flesh who's come to make God known. To show us what God is like. When you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. When you want to know how God feels about you, look at Jesus. When you want to know what God loves and what God hates, look at Jesus. When you want to see God's heart, we can look at Jesus. When God, when God wanted us to know him, he didn't send a memo or a decree or publish a blog. Jesus didn't even write a book, right? He didn't just put a permanent marquee sign in the sky and say, I am love. He became flesh and blood. so that you and I could know what God is like, so that we wouldn't just have to guess in the dark, but we could know and behold his glory. Jesus came to reveal God's 
heart. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't have much else to say about that, except that it's awesome. It's awesome. And Christmas should remind us of that, that Jesus came to reveal God. So then if Jesus came to reveal God and to make him known, what did he reveal when he got here? What is the resounding note of Christmas? What is it all about? And for that, I also want to look at the passage we read. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Once again here, the passage is kind of bringing in themes from the Old Testament. That it says we've received grace in place of grace. What he's saying is Jesus brought a new covenant that's going to replace the old covenant. It's going to fulfill and replace the old covenant. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law is not bad. A lot of times we hear that that the law only showed us how we couldn't measure up, which is true. But the law was seen as God's grace because God saved his people out of Egypt, saved them out of slavery, made them a people and said, You'll be my people and I'll be your God. And then he gives them the law and shows them how to live like free women and men of God. You guys see that? That the law is God's grace. And the way God reveals himself in the Old Testament, the way he revealed himself to Moses is with this phrase of unfailing love and faithfulness. It says, God is Um, gracious and compassionate, abounding in love and faithfulness. It shows up in Exodus, Genesis, Psalms, Proverbs, and all throughout. But now in this passage, we see the law came through Moses, but grace and truth is coming through Jesus Christ, the Savior. Grace and truth is the mirror phrase in Greek of unfailing love and faithfulness in the Old Testament. The same God that we've been worshiping all along, who's been constantly revealing himself in unfailing love and faithfulness, has now come to personify that and to show us in person what it means to have the unfailing love and faithfulness of God. The heartbeat of God toward us is grace and truth. Grace to save us and truth to set us free. In other words, Jesus didn't just come to teach. He didn't just come to show us the right way. He didn't just come to make us have a better feeling about ourselves. He came to save us and set us free. N.T. Wright says it this way, Christmas is the moment God launched a divine rescue mission. 
This is why in the rest of the book of John, we see God's grace and God's truth throughout. One of the most popular passages of the Bible, John 3.16, says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Can I rephrase that uh, verse a little bit with Christmas and Good Friday? So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's Christmas and Good Friday altogether, right? That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world, Christmas, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, Good Friday. In other words, the reason there's a Christmas day is because there's a Good Friday and a Resurrection Sunday, and a last day. When we look at Christmas, the reason Jesus came was to save us. He came as a light when we were in darkness. He came to give us grace that is accepting us and goodness toward us that we could never earn and could never pay back and could never deserve. The word of God became flesh so that he could give his flesh for the life of the world. Jesus came to reveal God's heart, who God is, and the heartbeat of God toward us is grace and truth. So I know that I just like (laughs) unloaded a bunch of ideas. (laughs) And I don't don't want to um, stop with just ideas because the message of the gospel is not just an idea for us to think about but it's a truth that we experience, right? I mean, if it was just an idea, then Jesus wouldn't come in person and become flesh and blood. But he came in flesh and blood because we needed to be rescued and because we needed to be set free. We needed to be saved by his grace, not our own work, and we needed to be set free with the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's in John 14. And in John 8, he says, he says, as I'm quoting from memory over here, uh, <laughs> he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People think Christianity is is all about what I have to do to please God. I think it's a really common belief if you ask somebody, hey, you know, do you believe in God? And they say yes. And say, do you believe you're going to heaven? Well, yeah, I'm going to be, uh, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to be a good person and do the best I can. Right? That's a pretty prevalent belief. And, and believe it or not, that's actually a pretty prevalent belief within Christian circles. That is not the gospel. 
The gospel is not what you need to do to please God. The gospel is you can't please God, and here's what he's done for you. The gospel is not you perform and, and please God with your actions. It's his actions are totally righteous, and yet he was punished for our sins so that you could have grace, and I could have grace. I know the, the, the circle of, of Christianity that I kind of grew up in, I did hear about God's grace, but the emphasis was on you're saved by grace, but you're, you're, you're basically going to keep your salvation by your own works, right? So like God, God got me this far, God gave me a second chance, but I don't get a third, basically, right? If, 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 if I walk across the street and, and I had a sin I hadn't repented of and then a bus hit me, I might go to hell, right? That was kind of a fear of mine. I don't know if that was overtly preached, but that was just in the culture, like that was happening, right? That's not the gospel. That's not grace. It's not our goodness. It's his goodness. And, and the gospel message is that it actually confronts the stark reality of our world, that our world is in complete and utter darkness apart from God. And yet the only one who sa- can save it, he didn't stay aloof and stay distant and say, well, y'all messed it up, so just, you made your bed, lie in it. <laughs> no. He became flesh. He became flesh so that as he lived a righteous life and the only baby who grew up to full adulthood who never sinned. How many of y'all wish your baby was sinless? (laughs) Some amen from the moms and the dads in here, right? So so I said this last week, but Jesus is just like us, but he's not just like us, right? Because he didn't sin. He's he's fully human, but he's fully God. The, The only unique person to ever live on this earth to go through his entire life and never rebel against God. We should have all like thrown a big party. Hey, we could never do that. That was awesome. And what do we do? We killed him, right? But that's grace. He died for our sin. He was righteous to give us that righteousness, and he died for our sin. Our sin was laid on him. His righteousness has been laid on us. We have beheld the glory of God in Jesus Christ, and it is full of grace and truth. It's full of grace to save you, and it's full of truth to set you free. People think Christianity is about a bunch of rules. People think Christianity is a list of do this, do this, do this, and then don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. The don't do's are longer, right? Don't do, don't do these things, do these things. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And a lot of people don't want to be a Christian because they think it's confining because of all these rules. And a lot of people who are Christians may be living by the rules, but not because they know that it's good for them, but because they just want to be right. So it's still in an effort to please God. Is that tracking? Right? But Jesus didn't just come for us to be right. He came for us to be free. Everything that is not according to the truth that God brings 
everything that is against the word and the ways of God, how he's revealed himself and how he's called us to live. is a lie and will lead to bondage, not freedom. But Jesus came not only in grace to rescue us from our sin, but in truth to set us free from our sin. Just like in the Old Testament, not only in grace to save them out of slavery, but to bring them truth and show you how to live like a free person. That Jesus has come in grace and truth, and that when God looks at us, his heartbeat and all his actions toward us are grace and truth. That when he sees me and my sin and how many ways I've failed him, he looks at me with grace, which is he accepts me, he loves me, he gives me favor because of his grace. And he looks at every way that I'm tripped up and every way I'm not living how he's called me to live and he has truth to set me free. Amen? Amen. If the heartbeat of God for us is not grace and truth, then we are hopeless. We are hopeless. We're indebted to God. We're bound by lies that we believe. We're in the dark, but if grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, we have hope. Our debt is paid. We're not bound, but we're free, and we're walking in the light. There's, if God's heart toward us is grace and truth, then there's no sin that we could ever do that's too big for him to forgive. Amen? When we look at Christmas, when we look at Jesus, when we wonder, what does all this mean? We can see that Jesus came to reveal the heart of God for us. And we can see that the heartbeat of God for us is grace and truth. Now, I want to wrap up. (laughs) I think I told you guys it was going to be quick. Um... But as I do, you know, maybe you're here and, and, and you're not yet, uh, you're not a believer in Christ and you've been around Jesus, uh, you know, maybe you showed up just because you lost a bet with your friend and you're here um, and you know that Christians believe certain things but, but it hasn't really connected with you yet. My hope and my prayer for you today is that as you hear this, this is a grand kind of narrative of what Jesus has done for us. This is the reason why we come and we sing these songs and we rejoice in our hearts because God has come to us and shown us his grace in a person. He's shown us the truth in a person and that person, Jesus Christ, has saved us and set us free. And my hope is that you've heard it, that that maybe your heart has been moved to faith. Maybe your heart has been moved to think, you know what, the the shame and the guilt that I've felt and I don't have relief from there might be relief from that in Jesus. There might be hope for freedom and change in that in Jesus. And my hope for you today is that you would see and experience that grace and truth. Secondly, if you're here and and you are a believer and, and you've listened to what I've said, my hope and my prayer for you is just that the grace 
of God will wash over you once again this morning. And the truth of his word would inspire and encourage you this morning. And that if there's, that if there's a, an area in your life where you're saying, I know I'm not living in line with the truth of God, that there would be something that says, I want to be free. And you can repent and turn to him today. And my hope for us today is that as we, um, as we think on the grace and truth of God, that it would be like looking on the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus with new and fresh eyes because we see what he came to do. What he came to do and set out to do, he has accomplished. That when he came, that he became flesh, that he knew that one day he would die on the cross for our sins and he would offer his flesh for us for the life of the world. And then our hearts would just worship Jesus this morning. So uh, I'm going to pray, and um, we're going to have a time of uh, responding to the word. We're going to have a time of responding to um, whatever God might be saying to you right now. And that could uh, uh, look differently, and I'll give some instructions after we pray. But um, let's bring it in for a second and pray. Father, I thank you for... Today, I thank you for this Sunday. I thank you for this moment in time right now that we've come to interact with your word and with who you are. Lord, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much for um, this uh, season of celebration that we're taking part in right now, God, that just reminds us of your great love, Lord, to not leave us hopeless, to not leave us in the dark, to not leave us as a victim of our own sin and of the devil's work, Lord, but to come to us. To not just tell us that you love us, but to show us. To not just tell us how to live, but to show us and to give us the power to do that by your Spirit. Lord, I worship you. I thank you for every single person that's here today. I thank you for um, your grace at work in so many lives and all that we've seen you do. Um, But Lord, I pray that um, as we spend a few moments here just thinking about and, and settling on your grace, I pray that our hearts would just um, feel and experience that love, God, that we would be in awe of the fact that you came to save us. You came to rescue us. You came to set us free. And God, if there's someone in here right now who is not experiencing that freedom, that whether it's um, the enemy's work in their life, whether it's something that someone else has done to them this week or said to them this week, God, maybe if it's a sin in their own life that they seem to be wrapped up in bondage to and unable to break free, Lord. I've come today and I, and I feel sent by you today, God, to proclaim freedom. To proclaim your grace that rescues and your truth that sets us free. 
So Lord, I pray today that for the remaining few moments, God, that we would worship you and uh, come to thank you, Lord, for for your message in this season of Christmas. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.